This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. In AFL, they say the third quarter is the championship quarter, and this is our third episode with quarter. Yes. So the championship quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Third and final episode with quarter. Uh, head to their website, quartr.com, and download the app. Just go straight to the app store. Yeah, go straight to the app store. It's an awesome app. As you've heard over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been listening to some of the earnings calls from companies around the world. We've touched on supply chains. We've had a look at some of the tech companies that had uh, fear in uh, their voices. Not just, just tech companies, <laughs> not but just tech. companies that have fallen 40% or more. Yes. Yeah. And uh, today we're, we're going to close it all out by hearing from... Uh, we're going to be comparing the pair. Compare the pair. Now, yeah. if you're not listening in Australia, a, a very famous ad campaign by uh, the retirement industry asked Australians to compare the pair uh, when they're thinking about what retirement account to sign up with. Well, we're going to compare the pair when it comes to rival CEOs today. And we're going to listen to uh, rival CEOs talking about the same subject. So we've got 
an all-star lineup today. We've got uh, the CEO of Tesla and the CEO of GM talking about driverless cars. We've got the CEO of Nike and the CEO of Adidas. I was calling it Adidas uh, before the earnings call. So we're learning so much. Ta- uh, talking about uh, changes in their businesses. We've got Visa and MasterCard going head to head. And then we've got a triple header to close things out. NVIDIA, Microsoft and Meta all sharing their views on the metaverse. Love it. Can't wait for this one. A lot to get through. So make sure you check out Quarter. It's one of those apps that just really can help you on your investing journey. Conference calls, earnings calls, transcripts, uh, analyst reports, all in the one app, all free. And they've done a heap of work on the UX um, compared to when we were looking at it this time last Mm. year. So uh, nice one quarter. Make sure you go and check it out. The other good thing is that whenever there's like a big corporate action, there will generally be an investor call. So when Afterpay got acquired by Square, uh, there was an earnings call that we could listen to on the quarter app. Uh, But Last week, Ford announced it was splitting itself in half. And uh, as we were preparing for this episode, we could listen to the Ford team explain that. So one thing, as well as the quarterly earnings calls, um, whenever something big happens, they'll generally get on a call and explain it to investors. uh, And now we can listen to that as well, which is really convenient. So yeah, let's not talk about Ford because it's not that interesting. But um, (laughs) when interesting corporate actions happen, you can also listen to it on the quarter app. That's it. Now, before we jump into it, you would have heard at the top of the show that we are IPOing. Our initial party offering is here and that is FinFest. We're incredibly excited. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest for what we are terming Australia's biggest finance festival. We're really excited to actually turn finance events on its head and put on a bit of a party, but also an event that will inspire you, empower you, enable you to take that next step on your investing journey. And uh, that's all we're going to say for now. We've got guests lined up. We've got an awesome venue. Tickets will be going on sale soon. And uh, we'll be announcing who will also be headlining uh, from a DJ point of view. I think it's going to be Ren, but he hasn't, uh, yeah, he hasn't yeah, said yeah. yet. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some vinyls. I won't be doing any of that CDJ or any of that. CDJ. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be uh, DJing the old school way. So you wouldn't want to miss that. Uh, uh, FinFest is powered by Stake. So a big thanks to them for supporting the event. Yeah. Uh, we can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Nice one. Well, yes, thanks to Stake. We're pumped. Equitymates.com slash FinFest. It's going to be in your show notes. Um, register now and we'll keep you updated as things progress. It's going to be awesome. So Bryce, uh, let's get stuck into the this episode and we're comparing the pair. I'm not going to ask you to choose your favorite CEO out of the pair. We'll let uh, everyone listening make their own decisions. Um, but let's start at the top of the mountain with the CEO that gets the most press, whose Twitter moves markets and market regulators, Elon Musk, <laughs> Tesla. What a guy. And um, we were going to do these two companies on electric cars and just like what's going on there. But something caught our eye, caught our ear, I should say, in both of these earnings calls, and that's the shift to driverless cars. So let's start with Elon. Let's hear his view on where Tesla is and then hear where he thinks we're going in terms of driverless cars. Just to recap, uh, 2021, uh, it was a breakthrough year for Tesla and for electric vehicles in general. And while we battled, uh, and everyone did, uh, with supply chain challenges through the year, we managed to grow our volumes by nearly 90% last year. This level of growth didn't happen by coincidence. It was a result of ingenuity and hard work across multiple teams throughout the company. 
additionally, we reached the highest operating margin in the industry uh, in the last uh, widely reported quarter at over 14% gap operating margin. Lastly, thanks to $5.5 billion of million, <laughs> small finger by the mouth, um, uh, $5.5 billion of gap net income in 2021, our accumulated profitability since the inception of the company became positive, which I think makes us a real company at this point. Uh, this is a critical milestone for the company. So after an exceptional year, we shift our focus to the future, Texas and Berlin. So we've, we've begun production at both Texas and Berlin. We started that uh, last quarter. Uh, but that, that's not the most important thing. Um, we, we're focused more on when to get to, to volume production um, and when can we deliver cars to customers. But, but I think it is worth noting that we, uh, and, and as the internet has observed, <laughs> uh, we have been make, making quite a few cars in Texas and Berlin, uh, in Boston and Berlin. So in, in Texas, we're building the Model Ys with the structural battery pack and the 4680 cells. And we will start delivering uh, after final certification of the vehicle, which should be fairly soon. Capacity expansion will continue. We're maximizing output of each factory uh, and building new factories and new locations in the future. Although we're not ready to announce any new locations on this call, but but we will, through 2022, look at new locations and probably be able to announce new locations uh, towards the end of this year, I expect. So, so in 2022, supply chain will continue to be the fundamental limiter of output across all factories. So the, the chip shortage, while better than last year, is still still a, an issue. And there are, there are multiple supply chain challenges. <laughs> um, and... Um, Last year was difficult to predict, and hopefully this year will be smooth sailing. But you know, I'm not sure what you do for an encore to 2021, 2020. But nonetheless, we we, we do expect uh, significant growth in 2022 over 2021. You know, comfortably above 50% growth in in 2022. Uh, full self-driving. So over time, we think full self-driving will become the most important source of profitability for Tesla. I mean, actually, if, if you run the numbers on robo taxis, uh, it's it's kind of nutty. Uh, the, the, it's it's nutty good for, for, from a financial standpoint, and I think we're completely confident at this point that it will be achieved. And uh, you know, my my personal guess is that we'll achieve full self driving this year. Yeah, with with at a safety level significantly greater than than a person. So the cars in the fleet essentially becoming self driving via software update. I think might might end up being the biggest. Uh, increase in asset value of any asset class in history, we shall see. Uh, it, will, it will also have a profound impact on improving safety and on accelerating uh, the world towards sustainable energy through vastly better asset utilization. Well, Ren, look, uh, Elon, love the guy. Some pretty amazing stuff in there. He fully expects to achieve full self-driving this year. This year. Now, I need to I need to stress that Elon is very good at saying that they'll do things this year yeah. and dragging that out year I, after year after year. I need to stress <laughs> that Elon is very good at doing things which many people think couldn't be done. Yes. Reusable rockets, electric vehicles uh, may ring some bells. So yeah. I'm not saying it's not possible. I fully anticipate that he will deliver it uh, this year. Maybe not, but... We'll, yeah, I don't we'll think see. I don't we'll think this we'll year, see. but like it's getting close up. Well, before we move on to JM, I that line that he thinks the shift to self-driving might be the biggest increase in asset value of any asset class in history 
And to think that the way that Tesla has designed their fleet, that it's just going to be a software update. Yeah. That they just push. Yeah, that's nuts. It's pretty. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that's let's compare the pair. That's Elon Musk, uh, the Tesla CEO, talking about driverless cars. So let's move to the GM CEO, Mary Barra, who is talking about their self-driving subsidiary, uh, Cruise. Uh, hey, before we get into our 2021 results and 2022 outlook, I want to start with some exciting news from Cruise, which is one of our most significant growth opportunities. Kyle, Dan Kahn, Gil West, and the entire Cruise team are doing great work, and they just delivered a key milestone on the drive to commercialization to commercialize Cruise rideshare service. As Kyle has shared, Cruise team members have been taking fully driverless rides in San Francisco since November to demonstrate and refine the software and hardware ecosystem we have created together. In fact, they have logged over 20,000 miles and completed more than 600 trips. I rode in a driverless cruise a couple weeks ago, and I can tell you it was the highlight of my career as an engineer and as the leader of General Motors. The ride is smooth and confident. It's like having an experienced and attentive driver behind the wheel. Now, as Cruise announced this morning, it is inviting members of the public to sign up for their own driverless rides through a wait list on the Cruise website. This is the first truly driverless ride hail service offered to members of the public in a dense urban environment. To maximize its learnings, Cruise will prioritize use cases that are natural fits for autonomous ride sharing. This major milestone brings Cruise even closer to offering its first paid rides and generating $50 billion in annual revenue by the end of the decade. It also means that the SoftBank Vision Fund will invest, as planned, another $1.35 billion in Cruise. This is another strong vote of confidence in the Cruise team, its technology, and the services it's creating. Additionally, Cruise continues to advance the strong relationship it has established with Walmart where the team is making progress on driverless deliveries of groceries to customers every day. With this incremental investment and the investments from General Motors in companies like Honda, Microsoft, and Walmart, Cruise is very well capitalized to scale its business when the origin production comes online at Factory Zero late this year. So there you have it, Bryce. We think that Elon makes big pronouncements, but the important thing to stress here, it's not just Elon in the car industry that's talking about full driverless cars. Cruise, uh, GM's self-driving subsidiary, has opened the wait list to the public. They've been driving employees around to test their service. They think it will be a $50 billion annual revenue business by the end of the decade. I I don't want to get too excited, but this excites me. Mm. Like driverless cars. You'll never have to get your license. Well, well, I've got my license. (laughs) I was just going to say, though, I may never have to buy a car. You bought half of a Honda Jazz. (laughs) You always deny it because I don't know why, but... Because it's just, it's (laughs) shit. (laughs) Fine. I will never have to buy a new car of which I've just made a conscious decision to buy okay <laughs> anyway not so, that i made a subconscious decision so to let's, buy my other one let's but. not get bogged down on that that's our first compare the pair elon musk who are you backing well uh, tesla elon. yeah nice nice <laughs> but i am really interested in what this looks like as a number of companies get in the game so mm-hmm. amazon bought zooks mm-hmm. the uh australian oh, one of the co-founders is australian so they're trying to get in the game 
Uh, Google has Waymo, which is the technology is a little bit different. It's not as scalable, but you can literally order an Uber-like self-driving car in Arizona mm. right now. Mm. Pull out your phone, download the app and do it. Like mm. that's crazy. GM, th- that partnership with Walmart that they were talking about for driverless grocery delivery, like that's cool. Mm. And then obviously Tesla. It's a really exciting time to just like think about like what it's, what the world could look like by the end of this decade what the transport infrastructure could look like. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids will never need a license, not us. Maybe our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I think about think about what it's going to do to supply chains and the, just the general cost of that last mile. You like, love the last miles. So let's uh, use that as a natural <laughs> transition point to talk about two companies that are investing heavily in the last mile and changing their supply chains. Yes. Let's compare the pair. Yeah. Uh, Nike and Adidas. No, Adidas. Adidas. <laughs> yes. Or Nike. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so we've got both of their CEOs talking about a shift that um, we've sort of kept a half an eye on uh, here at Equity Mates for a while because we think it's quite interesting. Both companies are really shifting from being manufacturers that rely on retailers, rely on, you know, um, Foot Locker in the US or Rebel Sports in Australia um, and they're really going direct to customer more and more. So here's we'll start with Nike, um, but we'll compare the pair and we'll listen to both of these CEOs of these major apparel companies talking about this shift. Nike's digital growth is outperforming comparisons and being fueled by our member-centric focus. Nike Digital grew 11% in the quarter on a currency-neutral basis, setting the pace for the industry. Nike Digital is now 25% of total Nike brand revenue, up three points versus the prior year, and more than double the digital mix in fiscal 19. Enhanced onboarding experiences are attracting millions of new members into the top of the funnel, and we are focused heavily on member engagement and buying. Member engagement grew 27%, and repeat buyers grew 50% versus last year, driving overall higher AUR, AOV, and member buying frequency. 40% of total digital demand this year is coming from our mobile apps, highlighting the strength of our digital platform. We now have over 79 million engaged members across our Nike ecosystem. And as Nike's digital ecosystem continues to grow, we are beginning to see the compounding benefits of scale. From brand awareness and consumer connection to data-informed personalization and inventory utilization, to loyalty. This quarter, we held our first globally coordinated Member Days event, setting records in member engagement. From member-exclusive product offerings to our first live stream member events from our Nike Town London and Paseg de Gracia store in Barcelona, we created a distinct member experience and set a record for weekly active users on the Nike app in North America. Now moving to one final topic. Connecting with today's consumers means serving them with the product they want, when and where they want it. Consumers want a premium, seamless, and personalized experience with minimal friction across their journey to explore, engage, connect, and purchase products from the brands they love. As we've discussed before, Nike's focused on creating one Nike marketplace that elevates the brand by creating direct consumer connections 
through fewer, more impactful wholesale partners with a connected mobile digital experience at the center built for the Nike member. Over the past four years, North America has reduced the number of wholesale accounts by roughly 50% while delivering strong growth and recapturing consumer demand through Nike Direct and our strategic wholesale partners, leading the way for Nike. In the second quarter, North America Digital grew 40% versus the prior year, pushing Nike Digital to 30% of total North America marketplace, bringing Nike Direct to 48% of total. In order to enable this growth and drive the shift in marketplace composition, we have accelerated investment to evolve our distribution network and scale a digital-first supply chain, leveraging advanced analytics, automation, and technology. We have opened two new regional service centers on both coasts, which are able to deliver more units to consumers with shorter delivery times. We also enabled ship from store capabilities across our store fleet, all leveraging advanced analytics from our select acquisition. On automation, we've added more than 1,000 robots in our distribution centers to handle the digital growth. In our digital distribution center in Memphis, robots handled more than 10 million units that would have otherwise required manual labor. We continue to scale O2O consumer services across our store fleet, including buy online, pick up in store, and digital order returns in store. Volumes are relatively small today, but we have significant opportunity to scale. We've also established new fulfillment models with key strategic partners to create inventory visibility across the marketplace and optimize full price digital demand. When we do this right, the consumer wins. So yeah, pretty big shifts coming, Ren, from from Nike. I remember when it was pretty big news when Nike announced that they were no longer going to be using Amazon as a distribution channel. They're going all on all through their own distribution channels straight to consumer. They felt, and that, and to me, that just speaks to the power of the brand. Really, they've got such a strong brand and and the ability and channels now to do it themselves. Mm. Why do you need third party? Yeah, they reduced their wholesale accounts in North America by fifty percent. Yeah. They cut them in half like that's pretty amazing mm. and they, they've really embraced like the apple model yeah, of retail where they have yeah. these like halo stores yeah um at, that are nike stores where they showcase and then they um try and really do online sales uh but adidas similar story that was nike now let's hear from the adidas ceo digital is also setting us up for success let me remind you that by 2025, the vast majority of our net sales will come from products that are created and sold in digitally. We're making strong progress in digitizing our core processes in, across the entire value chain, which is helping us to build better products, react to trends faster, and engage more personally with consumers. And I'll provide you with three tangible examples. First, we were able to shorten production creation time from six months to only a few weeks for certain new concepts in originals and training, which will start to have a meaningful impact on net sales in 2022. Secondly, our D2C business model equips us with more and more consumer data, which will have been levering to drive an increase in full price share for D2C inclusive launches for two, up to 70%. Third, we continue to significantly invest in digital tech and data analytics capabilities, and hired an additional 2,000 digital experts in 2021. 
Overall, digital is becoming a core competency and an integral value driver for ideas as we're able to meet consumer needs even faster and more effectively. The ambition to create more direct relationships across both digital and physical touchpoints is fully embraced by experience as a strategic focus area. We always said that we'll become a member of space first, and we're making strong progress towards this target. In 2021, we've added 75 million new members to our digital ecosystem, which brings the total number of members to now 240 million. And let me reiterate, members are our most profitable consumers as they buy more than 50% more often and have a lifetime value that is more than two times higher. But we're not stopping there. Our seamless enhanced consumer experience also extends to our retail space as we added an additional 61,000 square meters net selling space throughout the course of 2021, including new brand Halo stores in Dubai, Shanghai, Beijing, Berlin, and Hamburg. Uh, look, no surprise that uh, some of these companies are following in the footsteps of Nike. Are they? Who's following who? I feel like Nike went first on this. Do you? That's just a, is that just that's a gut you, feel. Is that just because you think Nike is the first first in your mind? What do you mean? Like when you think of like sportswear and apparel, no, like no, 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 no one thinks about it as first. No, no, but that, that's not what I'm. No, no. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just because I've not, like I, I felt like Nike have been much more outward with this type of a transition for a couple of years now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think the important thing to stress about this transition though is it's not just a shift to online. Mm-hmm. Like that is not this story. This story is a shift to like vertically integrate yeah. their supply chain and own it end yeah. to end yeah. and just really like get rid of other wholesales, wholesalers. And I think the one of the last things that we had in that clip from the Adidas CEO when he said they've added 61,000 square meters of selling space, um, you know, across all these major cities, like they're not getting out of the bricks and mortar retail game they're getting into it deeper, but mm. they're just getting into it themselves mm. rather than relying on other retailers. Rebel Sports and other bricks and mortar stores. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like they'll always have a place, but um, it, it's just a it's an interesting business transition. Uh, the two numbers that I want to stress that I think were really interesting because as our conversation before touched on, we think of Nike first. We mm-hmm. think of Nike moving first and moving faster, but they're digital members in their digital ecosystem. 79 million for Nike, 240 million for Adidas. Amazing. Yeah. I would not have expected that. It's incredible. I think Adidas probably is, as I think we said offline, I think there's a bit more streetwear in there and appeals to not just that athlete vibe. Yep. Um, so potentially why, but staggeringly much larger. Yeah. yeah. One other thing that we didn't include because uh, it didn't really fit the compare the pair narrative, um, but we also listened to the Under Armour earnings call. And mm. one thing that we really noticed was both Nike and Adidas celebrate their athletes. They're like, you know, Nike are like, this athlete won this competition wearing this Nike shoe and, you know, this Nike hat. And Adidas were celebrating that they're, they're back in the running game and uh, the Adidas runners won more competitions than all other runners combined um, and that was something they're really proud of so they really celebrate the big athletes the the professional athletes who are wearing their gear you know adidas had a big thing about leo messi uh, to start their call under armor has a different tact and i really like this tact which is they've created this whole 
program about grassroots sports mm. and improving accessibility to sports. And they they aren't talking about the Jordans and the LeBrons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who wears Under Armour, but heaps of athletes would, like heaps of professional athletes would. But instead they're talking about uh they, they want to like basically just uh support grassroots root sport and I guess get customers that way. Rather than having like sporting idols wearing yeah. their brands. Good, good uh, play. Yeah, great play. A very different strategy, but you can see the logic behind it. Big time. Now, just quickly on Under Armour, we've just come off an incredibly wet three weeks here in Sydney. Hopefully everyone's going okay for those that have been impacted by the floods. If you're listening overseas, you may have seen it on the news. It's been it's been rather wet up and down the, uh, the east coast of Australia. Uh, I must say Under Armour have an incredible umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not circular. It's actually... Almost a square, did, did if you that Google? makes sense. Yeah, I've got it here. Can you show me? Yeah. Um, this isn't going to work uh, for audio, <laughs> but if people are watching on YouTube, maybe hold it up to the camera. It's kind of hard to tell, but like it's it's <laughs> it's not a circle and it's it's much more square-like, so the canopy uh, exposure yeah. is but huge. But it's not, it's not quite a square. It's like an, it's um, like an octagon. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's eight-sided. It's like four long sides and four short sides. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I um, wonder if people are just listening to this, how are they are they visualising it? Yeah, true. So well, what's, what's the logic though? Uh, the logic for me is more uh, more canopy space. Right, yeah, okay. Because it's pushing those sides out a little further. Oh, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have so you got one? More canopy. No, but um, I just looked at the price and they are very reasonable compared to some other golf umbrellas that you could buy. It's actually a golf umbrella. Well, given that all of the umbrellas we seem to use in the office, we've been sent as free merch. <laughs> we should get one. They look pro. Anyway, we're not here to discuss, uh, compare the pairs with umbrellas. We are here to com- <laughs> compare the pair. But um, Look, I think we need to take a break. An unsponsored uh, segment there for <laughs> Under Armour. <laughs> I think we need to take a break, finish this umbrella chat offline, uh, take a deep breath, centre ourselves, and then we'll come back and we'll talk uh, v- We'll talk about Visa and MasterCard, uh, talking about crypto, and then uh, three of the big tech companies talking about the metaverse. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. All right, Ren. So payments, Visa v MasterCard. But payments, we're not going to talk about their traditional payments. We're going to talk crypto here. We're going to get the views from Visa CEO Al Kelly and uh, MasterCard CEO Michael Maybach. Yeah, I think, you know, we when we look at crypto Twitter, everyone talks about how, you know, it's going to disrupt payments and, you know, all this stuff, de- decentralized finance, DeFi, all this stuff. And then you speak to inve- expert investors that invest in Visa and MasterCard and they're not worried. And for me, it's it's always a question that I have and it's something that I want to understand. So both the Visa and MasterCard CEO spoke about crypto. So we thought it was worth uh, sharing how these companies are viewing this potentially disruptive technology. So let's start with Visa. Let's hear what uh, CEO Al Kelly thinks about crypto. We're also providing on-ramps for crypto players, creating connectivity with fiat economies. There are over 65 crypto platforms and exchanges that are partnered to issue Visa credentials. This quarter, Visa credentials and crypto wallets had more than $2.5 billion in payments volume, which is already 70% of the payments volume for all of fiscal 2021. In addition to embedding credentials in crypto platforms, we continue to innovate around our settlement and crypto API capabilities, which have been key differentiators for us for fintechs and financial institutions that are looking to extend crypto capabilities to their customers. We will continue to lean into the crypto space. And our strategy is to be a key partner to provide the connectivity, scale, consumer value propositions, reliability, and security that is needed for crypto offerings to grow. Earlier this month, we previewed CBDC payment APIs currently in development, which would enable, which would enable central banks to connect their Ethereum-based CBDCs with Visa Rails through a wallet with digital issuance capabilities, enabling consumers to spend with CBDCs at any Visa merchant. We partnered with Consensus to develop this concept, which was selected as one of the winning entries out of 300 ideas from 50 countries at the Global CBDC Challenge as part of the Singapore FinTech Festival, judged by representatives from the IMF, the World Bank, the Bank of International Settlements, and the central banks of Brazil, India, Kenya, and Indonesia. So look, I was surprised with this one. Sixty-five crypto platforms partnering, two and a half billion in payments volume via crypto. Those crypto partners, uh, more than I thought, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I feel like got to go where the puck's going. Yeah, it's also just the name of the game for Visa and Mastercard. It's like whatever disruptive technology comes in the payment space, scoop it up. <laughs> Get it on our payment rails, protect the payment rail duopoly at all costs. And, you know, they did that with Buy Now, Pay Later. Uh, they're doing it with um, Crypto Now. These bus- like these businesses, as long as those two are the only two, two games in town, like 
they're strong business. Yeah, precisely. Uh, so let's hear from Mastercard CEO Michael Maybach. And apologies for the audio cuts in this a little. Yeah, this is uh, this is not quarter or our fault. This is Mastercard's fault. Good one. Well, it's probably whatever. Uh, software platform they use to host their Webex. earnings call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitty Webex. <laughs> <laughs> Skype. Skype. <laughs> We're also bringing capabilities, experience, and reach to help enable the crypto NFTs. Our work with consensus will make it easier for software de- developers to increase the scale, efficiency, and speed of transactions on Ethereum and permission blockchains. And our CDC Sandbox test platform, which we launched in 2020, continues to gain traction. We're helping central banks, financial institutions, and fintechs simulate the issuance and distribution of a CBDC, along with the integration of CBDDs with our card network, our real-time payment modules, and native blockchain wallets. So not a heap of detail here. I think we said we weren't going to cast judgment, but if I'm going to compare the pair between MasterCard and Visa, uh, it feels like Visa are a lot more on the front foot when it comes to crypto. And I think that sort of reflects what we've been saying generally in the in the space, um, you know, in just in terms of like media reports and like who's investing where. One interesting note, I think both Visa and MasterCard mentioned CBDCs. Now, that's an acronym that is going to be particularly relevant, Central Bank Digital Currencies. And it feels that both Visa and MasterCard are really working with central banks. So, the Federal Reserve over in the US, the Reserve Bank of Australia uh, back here in Australia, central banks uh, around the world to create their versions of digital currencies. I don't think you can call them cryptocurrencies because they're you know, centrally controlled, centrally managed, all of that. They're not decentralized, but uh, that will be a really interesting thing to watch develop over the next few years. And I think listening to commentary from Visa and MasterCard will be give us a good indication of how far along those projects are. Yeah. Because central banks aren't going to be that forthcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating space. Watch this space. They're just two companies that yeah, just keep on churning it out. Churning it Churning out. and churning. But speaking of churning, uh, companies that, well, a couple of these companies, one seems to be in a little bit of trouble at the moment, but um, it's time to close out. We can't do an episode at the moment, it seems, without talking about the metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> and we we did try and stick to the compare the pair format, but we felt, the trio. we felt doing a compare the pair on the metaverse and just having NVIDIA and Microsoft and not having the company that changed its name <laughs> to be about the metaverse just didn't really fit. Yes. But we didn't want to cut either NVIDIA or Microsoft. So compare the trio to close it out. We've broken the format of our episode, but uh, hopefully it's worth it because we tried to get their visions of the metaverse. Yeah. yeah. Not not how they're investing, but like what they see the metaverse is. Because there's still a lot of questions, a lot of unknown people like, I don't get it. Yeah. And to be honest, the Zuck clip was uh, not as good. I don't think he's really... He doesn't know what meta- well, metaverse is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knows. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. He thinks it's like Club Penguin, but <laughs> an, an embodied Club, Club Penguin. Um, but anyway, let's start with NVIDIA. They call it the Omniverse. NVIDIA Omniverse is a world simulation engine that connects simulated digital worlds to the physical world. Omniverse is a digital twin, a simulation of the physical world. The system can be a building, a factory, 
a warehouse, a car, a fleet of cars, a robotic factory orchestrating a fleet of robots building cars that are themselves robotic. Today's internet is 2D and AI is in the cloud. The next phase of internet will be 3D and AI will be connected to the physical world. We created Omniverse to enable the next wave of AI, where AI and robotics touches our world. Omniverse can sound like science fiction, but there are real world use cases today. Hundreds of companies are evaluating Omniverse. So that was NVIDIA CEO giving his view on NVIDIA's Omniverse. It's pretty uh, science fiction heavy there, Ren, I think. It's just a bit of a mind warp to understand what's what's going to eventuate. Yeah, well, let's uh, maybe ground it a little bit more in reality because if there's one company that is uh, grounded in boring software, reality, partnering with businesses, none of this high-minded idealism of Meta or NVIDIA, it's just how do we practically use software and technology I would say that's Microsoft. Yes. And here is a very practical explanation of the metaverse from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. As the virtual and physical worlds converge, the metaverse comprised of digital twins, simulated environments and mixed reality is emerging as a first class platform. We are leading and seeing traction across public and private sector. Bentley Systems is building a digital twin of the city of Dublin to reimagine urban planning user Azure digital twins, as well as Azure IoT. PepsiCo is simulating its manufacturing processes to improve product consistency using our autonomous systems platform. And from Airbus and Toyota to L'Oreal and Intel, customers in every industry are transcending space and addressing complex challenges using mixed reality. The U.S. Army, for example, will use HoloLens-based headset augmented with our cloud services. The new Microsoft Mesh builds on this momentum, allowing for holographic interactions with true presence in a natural way on any device. We've already seen early adoption by Accenture, which is using Mesh to build immersive virtual office experiences. Power Platform is becoming the next generation business process automation and productivity suite for domain experts in all functions. We have taken a unique approach to what is an expansive and high growth TAM, bringing together robotic process automation, low code, no code tools, virtual agents, and business intelligence. Using Power Platform and domain any domain expert can automate a workflow, create an app, build a virtual agent or analyze data, rapidly driving productivity gains across the organization through smart automation. Look, we speak of uh, what is it going to look like, Microsoft there with some Pepsi, Bentley, Airbus, some examples of companies that are using this sort of mixed reality. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going pretty hard in this space. The US Army one's interesting. I would love to just see what it's like. To do like US Army training in the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine it might be not. Look, this is going to sound silly, but it 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 could be very similar to we went when we went to that arcade and put those 
VR goggles on. Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> well, how is it? You know. <laughs> I think it will be a little bit more Target practice, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. the reality is there's – anyway, I have no idea, so I'm just, I'm just speculating. <laughs> but let's close out. As you said, we can't have a conversation about meta, the metaverse, without talking about meta and Zuckerberg's views on meta. He's made it pretty clear the direction he wants to take meta – Name change. You even have to call people who your colleagues, meta friends or something. Meta mates. Meta mates yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. Really yeah. trying to push it. It's like, dude, we already have the mates thing down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we need to trademark that. So here is uh, Mark Zuckerberg talking through his views on the metaverse and, and how they're approaching it. Now, looking ahead, uh, we're focused on further scaling our computing power and transforming our AI infrastructure through advances in foundational research, as well as improvements to data center design, networking, storage, and software. Now, the last investment priority here is the metaverse. We are focused on the foundational hardware and software that are required to build an immersive, embodied internet that enables better digital social experiences than anything that exists today. On the hardware front, uh, we're seeing real traction with Quest 2. People have spent more than $1 billion on Quest Store content, helping uh, virtual reality developers grow and sustain their businesses. Uh, we had a strong holiday season, and you know, Oculus reached the top of the App Store for the first time on Christmas Day in the U.S. We're working towards a release of a high-end virtual reality headset later this year, and we continue to make progress developing Project Nazare which is our first fully augmented reality glasses. As for software, uh, Horizon is core to our metaverse vision. Um, and this is our social uh, VR world building experience that we recently opened to people in the US and Canada. And we've seen a, a number of talented creators uh, build worlds, like a recording studio where producers collaborate or a relaxing space to meditate. And this year, we plan to launch a version of Horizon on mobile too. So that'll bring uh, early metaverse experiences to more surfaces beyond VR. So while the, the deepest and most immersive experiences are going to be in virtual reality, uh, you're also going to be able to access these worlds from your Facebook or Instagram apps as well, and, and probably more over time. So this will enable us to build even richer social experiences where you can connect with friends in the metaverse, uh, whether they're in VR or not. We're also focused on avatars, which will be how you represent yourself in Horizon and across other developers' experiences in the metaverse. In December, we rolled out our Metaverse Avatars SDK to all Unity developers on Quest and Rift and Windows-based VR platforms, letting developers bring meta avatars to their own VR experiences. We just announced an update that lets you further customize your avatar to better express yourself. And we're introducing digital clothing too, starting with an NFL partnership so you can cheer on your favorite team. You can use your avatar across Quest, Facebook, Instagram, and Messenger. Uh, and so it serves as another bridge between our 2D social apps and 3D immersive virtual reality experiences. And we have a bunch of work ahead to make the avatars as expressive and high fidelity uh, as they need to be to fully represent us and help us feel present with one another. But I am very excited for the advances that we're making here. All right, Bryce. Well, that is the final clip for this episode of our quarter 
earnings season, compare the pair. We've heard some of the uh, biggest CEOs, most well-known CEOs in the world, Satya Nadella, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and some less known but doing really interesting things. Um, Al Kelly Visa, Mary Barra, GM. Any thoughts, any final takeaways from the pairs? Should we go through and you tell me your favorite CEO of each pair? <laughs> sure. Musk. Yeah. Next. Can't go past Nike, President John Donahue. And CEO. And CEO. <laughs> the Visa and MasterCard. <laughs> Interesting. I'm a Visa man, never had a MasterCard. Never had a MasterCard. Never had a MasterCard. Interesting. <laughs> I've only ever had MasterCards. Oh, wow. But I've only ever invested in Visa. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So we know money talks. So Al Kelly. And uh, look, I love Microsoft. So um, Sadia Nadella for me. Right. See you later, Zuckerberg. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I also want to thank Quarter, Q-U-A-R-T-R.com, uh, downloaded in your app store now. A great resource, honestly, a great free resource, we should stress, for you to get direct access to all of these conversations uh, and conference calls, earnings calls, market updates uh, that we've been exploring over the last three weeks. So a big thank you to Quarter for um, supporting these episodes. Uh, we find it a great resource. Yeah, and uh, you may have noticed that they're now advertising on Bloomberg. Never forget where you started, Quarter. Never, <laughs> Never forget. forget where you started. <laughs> we see you going on to do big things, <laughs> uh, but we'll uh, – We'll keep doing these quarterly episodes. We never forget, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you have joined us for the first time, uh, welcome. Make sure you rate and review us. It goes a long way to uh, promoting the show to, to new users on your podcast apps. And don't forget to sign up to FinFest, equitymates.com slash FinFest. Uh, the link will be in your show notes. Keep an ear out and an eye out for that as we release more information. We really can't wait. It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.